Well, we're together again for another serenity break. <clears throat> Hope you're having a good day. And if you're not, I'm glad you're with me as well. <laughs> I think the reason we do these serenity breaks is because it's not always possible to have a good day. Sometimes you need to, to kick back and seek some spiritual refreshment for a few minutes and regather your thoughts and your spirit and uh, hope that these uh, times together will help you do that. I want to continue to talk with you today about spiritual adultery. It is a topic that is so seldom discussed in the church because the church is so riddled with it, quite frankly. And so it is something that's very important to our spiritual health and therefore our mental health, to our family health, to our relational health. And so I want to continue to just tap on that a little bit since we have such little um, time together. Uh, in the previous time, we had uh, some discussion on this, of course. And I spoke to you about spiritual adultery in, in the context of our relationship with Jesus. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I told you that sexual immorality, literal, actual, physical sexual immorality, is often rooted in spiritual adultery for Christians. And so we, we get whacked out spiritually and theologically long before we get whacked out relationally. And consequently, the reverse is true. If we uh, find a way to recapture our devotion and the purity of our devotion to Christ as a betrothed bride awaiting for her husband's return, then we have a much better chance of remaining faithful in all of our life, in all of our relationships. And so I just want to remind you that this topic of spiritual adultery runs throughout the whole of the Bible. It's, it's fascinating to me that it isn't preached on more. Uh, and except for the fact, as I've already said, that it is because most churches and most celebrity pastors are, are caught up in it themselves. Um, it is interesting that, that Babylon in, in the book of Revelation is referred to as the great whore, uh, drawing in uh, the kings in, of the world to, to commit adultery with her. And so uh, it, it's, it's a very dominant theme throughout the Bible. And so we must pay close attention to it. And Jeremiah, for example, in Jeremiah 2, Six, I think it is. Let me see here. Yeah, Jeremiah 2. No, it's 3 6. Um, it says this quote, During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, quote, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and over every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done this, she would return to me. But she did not, and her unfaithful sister Judah saw it, and then Judah end quote, and then Judah went on to do the same thing as did um, Israel. And so there is this propensity, this long history amongst the people of God to commit spiritual adultery. And I think one of the reasons is is because it is so subtle. It is so seductive. And it is so prevalent. So be aware, my beloved brothers and sisters, be aware that spiritual adultery is all around you. Now, um, 
James tells us too in James chapter 4 that love for the world is a form of spiritual adultery. And I don't mean love for people or compassion upon the people of the world. He's talking here specifically about covetousness and wars and battles that arise between us uh, because we don't get what we want and we covet and we quarrel and we fight, he says. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it upon your pleasures. Living for physical indulging uh, indulgences or sensual pleasures is a form of spiritual adultery. You adulterous people, he says in verse 4, chapter 4 of James, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And then he advises, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. There's the prescription for recovering from spiritual adultery. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Boy, this is a hard message to hear, isn't it? In our day of happy, clappy Christianity and Joel Osteen and and all things are getting better all the time and oh boy, isn't it just wonderful, the blessings we enjoy and and, you know, these half-truths, these half-truths. And so, but here we're being told that we need to be very careful about spiritual adultery. So there's, I want to suggest to you today that there are... uh, a few, I got one, two, three, four, five points here, real quickly, that will help you realize the direction from which it's coming. Now, first of all, don't flirt with spiritual adultery. Flee from it. Don't flirt with it. Don't negotiate with it. Don't try to reason with it. And don't try to convert it. You will be tempted. It's seductive. And the five ways that I've listed here that it will come at you is through the ordained priesthood. If you have a priest that thinks he has more power over you and that he represents Christ to you and only you can come to Christ through him, that's spiritual adultery. Another mediator. And the same is true with an elevated clergy. Diotrephes in Third John was someone who wanted to be first or hold the preeminence among them, which is Christ's only place in the church. But there are men and women who want to elevate themselves into that position and be another Christ to you. Uh, any, any form, uh, number three, any form of preaching that points you back to the law and away from reliance upon Christ alone through the Spirit. And then finally, the uh, affection of the world, the glitter of the world and um, movies, films, etc., that kind of thing. These are all 
means that the enemy uses to bring spiritual adultery subtly and ever more present and prevalent in our life. So be sensitive, my beloved. Consider these things that I'm saying about spiritual adultery. It's real, it's prevalent, it's um, destructive, and it is going to tempt you. Beware. Refresh, restore, regroup, and go back to your day now with a sense of um, devotion and purity towards Christ that perhaps you needed to be reminded of earlier in your day. Amen.